Well, let's begin with verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man, Aramathian Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. That was enough to be barren. It was another thing to be mocked by this other wife. And that doesn't mean God approved of this fellow having two wives. Uh, but anyway, she is barren. She has this problem. And as he did so year by year, uh, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Uh, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon his seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Let me say a word before I go on about verse 9. Eli here is sitting uh, in a seat by a post of the temple uh, of, uh, of the Lord. Now the, the temple that uh, Solomon built has not yet been built. This is the tabernacle. And if you studied the furniture of the tabernacle, there was no chairs mentioned. And the reason for that is because the work of the earthly high priest was never done. But here's the picture. Here's a fellow sitting in his seat, leaned up against the post. Now notice his response. Uh, Hannah is in bitterness of soul, prayed on the Lord and wept sore, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thy will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Now she's specific. She wants a child and she wants a boy. <laughs> a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. It came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, on her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Eli said unto her, How long will thy be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Now evidently it had been so long since Eli had really seen somebody broken like this he thought she was drunk. You know, uh, you get uh, 
sold out to God and, and in love with Jesus, people might think some strange things about you. And uh, so he said, uh, why are you drunk? And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, as I bow before you again today, Lord, I just want to thank you for another privilege to call upon you and approach a throne of grace and know, Lord, that you've promised to hear and promised to grant the request. And, oh God, we need you tonight. I pray for that special anointing and that wisdom that only comes from you. God, help me to be a blessing, to be an encouragement and a help to your people tonight. I pray you'd uh, just use the Word of God and do a work in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we have this wonderful story in the Bible about this man and the barrenness of Hannah. The Bible said the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, he doesn't tell us why. Uh, that this had happened. But this woman is barren. And then, of course, the wonderful story there of how she prays to the Lord, and God hears and answers the prayer and gives her this son called Samuel. Now, there's some things I'd, I'd like for us to point out. I'd like for, to point out and for us to see tonight. And the first one is trust. Now, Hannah had faith uh, here. Her, her name, the name Hannah, is, has an interesting meaning. It means grace. Some people uh, name their children grace. Uh, I know uh, Hannah. Some children are named Hannah. And uh, so those words really mean the same. And this, of course, is where it all must begin. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And in Romans 3, 24, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to turn to John chapter 1, if you will, please. And, and I want to read uh, what Schofield here says about grace uh, at the bottom of of the page uh, in John chapter 1 on page 1115 there on the right side. And I think he gives a very good definition of grace. If you have a Schofield Bible, if you don't, just listen. And he gives a summary of it. And he says, Grace is the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man, 
not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's taken from Titus 3. And he said, It is therefore constantly set in contrast to law, under which God demands righteousness from man, as under grace He gives righteousness to man. Isn't that good? Boy, I like that. Under law, the law demanded righteousness, but man couldn't produce it. Under grace, God gives it. He imputes it. Then he says, law is connected with Moses and works. Grace with Christ and faith. Law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. I like that. Law demands that blessings be earned. Grace is a free gift. And so that's the grace of God. And uh, Hannah here, though she was barren, she had faith, and I believe received grace from God because her trust was in the Lord. Now, that's how we receive grace. Isn't that right? The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So when we hear the Word of God, God instills faith, and when we exercise faith, we receive grace. And that's what happened in the case of Hannah. Hannah, uh, whose name means grace, uh, had faith and received grace. I remind you of the preacher I heard preaching a few weeks ago, and he was preaching on eagles. And he brought out a... Uh, an interesting point that I remember, don't remember all the points he made, but his first point, he said, is very elementary and very simple. But he said, in order to be an eagle, you have to be born an eagle. Uh, you know, you can, chicken can't be an eagle. I don't care how much it tries. I heard the story one time of an eagle that, uh, that uh, was raised up from a chick and, and it, it run around, run around with the chickens and, and uh, uh, there uh, thought it was a chicken. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh, in order to be a Christian, you have to be born one. So uh, it all begins with trust or faith. And then there's trials uh, also. Here in verse 6 and 7, uh, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her wound. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did eat and did not eat rather. And so here even when they went up to worship and they went up to the house of the Lord, this other wife was mocking her and, and uh, uh, complaining there and ridiculing her because of her barrenness. And they didn't help any, did it? You know, there's trials. There's trials as we apply this spiritually and to our own barrenness, maybe. Uh, there are trials uh, that we must go through, just like when a woman has a child. There's a trial to go through. Some are not willing to go through that trial and bear that reproach. In Hebrews 13 and verse 13, he said, Let us go forth therefore unto him without the count, bearing his reproach. There is a reproach 
uh, you know, to being a Christian and standing for what's right. And uh, there's trials to go through. Sometime their barrenness is related to that. We're not willing to bear the trial. You know, there's, uh, I think, a nat natural inclination uh, in, uh, uh, you know, a girl uh, to want a baby. That's normal. Uh, you know, to, to little, little girls, they, uh, they uh, want to play with dolls. I never did want to play with dolls when I was growing up. I don't remember anyway if I did. And uh, uh, let me say a word about that. I mean, you go buy a, a small child a baby doll, uh, you know. I mean, buy a baby. This Barbie thing, uh, you know, that's, I think, teaching the wrong, the wrong thing. I mean, she's dressed like a worldly woman and, and a grown-up woman. Uh, a baby don't, uh, or a young girl doesn't need that. She needs to learn that nurturing effect and how a cuddling baby doll. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the trials, the reproach. I don't know what I said there. You thought I was talking about a real baby? Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, there, there's the trials. And, and what, the point I'm trying to make is that, uh, uh, that uh, you... Mothers that have had children, you know the trial of, of having a child and the blessing of having that newborn. But there's a trial to go through. And in order to bring forth souls for Christ, there's a price to pay and there's trials to endure. And sometimes we're not willing to do that. Uh, some years ago, church in Maiden there, a fellow was, he got saved and he was all on fire for God and he wanted to win someone to Christ, and he went and knocked on this fellow's one Sunday at this fellow's door, and he was drinking, and, and he tried to win him to Christ, and the fellow just picked him up to see the pants and threw him out in the yard. Uh, you don't know what you're going to face. I remember I was visiting one night, and, and uh, uh, me and another fellow, and, and the fellow was, uh, you know, kind of a bachelor, lived there, and, and a pretty nasty place, and and uh, he was uh, sitting there in the bed, and he reached under his pillow and pulled out a big old pistol, waved it around, said, I'm not afraid of anybody, and stuck her back in. I was glad when he stuck it back. But uh, you never know. But there's a reproach. There's trials that we must uh, bear in order to be fruitful. And then there's the travail. Uh, there in verse 8, then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Uh, you know, what he's saying, you know, uh, am I not enough for you? And uh, she's basically saying, no. I mean, I, I, want a, I want a child. I want a son. And so she's grieved, and there's the travail Elkanah means God is possessing. I believe this is a good man. I believe this is a man that loved God. But his wife was barren, and there was nothing he could do about it. And in those days, to be barren was looked upon as a curse from God. And he tells us here the Lord had shut up her womb. And so there's the travail. 
Rachel in Genesis 30 verse 1 says, Give me children or else I die. I cannot live unless I have children. And uh, you know the story there. Of course, Jacob worked seven years uh, for, for Rachel and ended up with her ugly sister. Man, I'll tell you, I think a tragedy of tragedies. After a man worked seven years and he, and he loved her so much, it just seemed like a short time. <laughs> but they got the wrong one, I'll tell you. And, uh, uh, but anyway, he ended up with Rachel. He had to work seven more, seven more years. But uh, Rachel was barren. Uh, his first love, he had her ugly sister and uh, <laughs> she had all kinds of children. Uh, but uh, Rachel says, I cannot live. Give me children or else I die. Now the, the spiritual lesson tonight, uh, that ought to be our cry. But we're satisfied to be barren. And we oughtn't to be. That ought to be the cry spiritually from their heart. Oh God, give me children or I cannot live. And I'll tell you, when this church and when we as individuals get that kind of burden, we'll see children born. I'm talking about spiritual children. I'm talking about new births. When we get that kind of burden and that kind of concern, as Rachel had there. In Isaiah 66 and verse 8, For as soon as Zion travail, she brought forth her children. Uh, there must be the travail there. As soon as she travail, she brought forth children. There, there's the travail. And uh, then, uh, uh, then there uh, is, uh, is the children. That's the normal process. Of course, there's another scripture that talks about the, the child is born and then the travail. Well, that's strange, isn't it? And of course, what he's talking there is about the coming of Christ and the tribulation would be after that. And there's a wonderful scripture in uh, Psalm 126 and verse 5 and 6 where he says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God give us the travail that we need to be fruitful. Then after the travail, there is uh, the tranquility that comes. Now notice here uh, before that, uh, that uh, Hannah is in bitterness of soul. She's travailing. And she said, she vows this vow to God and said, Lord, if you'll give me a man-child, I'll give him back to you. She's very specific in her prayers. Sometimes we pray, and we pray in such generalities, no wonder God doesn't do anything. Lord, heal the sick and save the lost. That's not going to accomplish anything. Who do you want God to heal? Who do you want God to save? Be specific and pray individually. This is what Hannah does and says, if you'll give me this child, there'll be no razor come upon his head. Now that was a mark of separation. Uh, those that had the Nazarite vow upon them. Uh, there are those who try to teach that Jesus had long hair because of that. There's no, no evidence in Scripture that Jesus had long hair. Uh, it said he'd be called uh, uh, a Nazarene. There's no indication that he had the vow like that Samson had and that Samuel had here. And this was a mark of distinction that set them apart. 
but he was going to be given back to the Lord as an offering to God. And, uh, of course, again there, uh, Eli thinks she's drunken, and she said, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit, and I've not drunk any wine, strong drink. I've poured out my soul uh, before the Lord. And uh, uh, here uh, in verse 17, the promise is given. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. I'll tell you, he's really basically saying, God's going to answer your prayer. He saw this woman pray, and he realized this woman is for real. She wasn't playing games. Uh, you know, I wonder sometimes how God really feels uh, about our praying. And uh, when, when uh, our heart's not in it, and it's just, uh, you know, a lot of us... Uh, uh, you know, we could, uh, if we record it, we could just play it back to God and not be bothered with having to say the prayer again. Uh, and a lot of times, nothing wrong with uh, praying about the same things. In fact, I think the Scripture encourages that. But we ought to do it from our heart and with travail and with brokenness as Hannah. And he says that God grant the petition. And... Uh, in uh, verse 18, she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. The promise was given, the promise was believed, and the promise was enjoyed even before it was ever fulfilled. Now that requires faith, doesn't it? Her countenance is no more sad. And I can imagine as they went back home, maybe her, uh, this other wife continued to mock her and give her a hard time, and probably Hannah replied to her and say, you know, I've, I've talked to God, and he's going to give me a child. <laughs> and uh, she may have continued to mock him, I don't know. But I'll tell you, she had faith to believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So there's the tranquility. And then there's the thanksgiving. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah and his wife and the Lord remembered her. God remembered. They rise up early and worship. Thanksgiving. Thanking God. Even before, even before the promise is fulfilled, they have the promise that God's going to do it. Sometimes we, we, we think of giving thanksgiving to God after we've already received it. Well, if we had faith, you know, I think sometimes uh, uh, that we ought to go ahead and thank God when we ask God for something and pray about something, then say, thank you, God, for doing it. Because if he's promised to do it, it's just as certain as if it is already done. It's just like going to heaven. I mean, our hope of heaven is just as certain as if we was already there. And uh, uh, we don't have to doubt it all. We can thank God for it now. And so even before the child was given, she gives thanks unto God. 
and they worship. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then we see the triumph here in verse number 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Samuel means ask of God. That's the meaning of his name. What's your name? My name is ask of God. Uh, I'll tell you, everywhere he went, every time his name was mentioned, there was something about his name that this was a miracle child. This child was given in response to prayer. And what a blessing. You know, when God does something, he needs to get the glory. And sometimes we fail in that, and sometimes we're barren because we want to rob God of the glory and take it away from him. But when God does something, he does it in such a way that you know it's God that's done it. This woman was barren. Notice her sister. Her sister had sons and daughters. She had been barren a long time. It wasn't just a short term barrenness. This other wife had, had, had several children, and she had had to endure this for this length of time. But the triumph comes, and Samuel is given uh, there in response to God. And notice again, Psalm 126 said, we can bring, bring in his sheaves with him. Now, there's a point I want you to, of course, uh, the story goes on. And uh, uh, after the child is weaned, uh, uh, she goes back to, uh, to uh, the temple there, or to Shiloh, back to the tabernacle. And they bring the child to Eli. And in verse 26, she said, O oh, my Lord, is thy soul liveth, my Lord. I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. She said, Eli, you remember the woman you thought was drunk? You remember the woman that was in bitterness of soul? Said, I'm that woman, and I've brought this child back. I was begging God for a child, and here's the child. Here's the child. Here's the answer to prayer. And here's the vow, the, the fulfilling of the vow that I promised to you. Uh... I vowed that vow, I'd give him back to the Lord, and here he is. And, uh, and I've, I've brought this promise and this answer to prayer. The triumph. Again, the Bible said uh, we'd bring, bring in his sheaves with him. Uh, and here, uh, the, the answer to the barrenness that may be in our life. Now, there's another point I want us to, to see here in chapter 2. And verse 20 and 21. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. 
And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Not only did God give Samuel an answer to prayer, but she gives Samuel back to the Lord and God gives her other children. Gives her these other children. And uh, uh, three sons and two daughters. She's not, uh, she's not satisfied just to have the one child. She said, I want to have more children. And God grants that request. You know, there's something about soul winning. I mean, you know, if you ever win one, you always want to win someone else. Uh, about the best thing I've ever seen, closest thing I've ever seen to getting saved uh, the second time is to get someone else saved. Closest thing to being saved yourself is bringing someone else to Christ. And so, bearing fruit. I want you to look before we close in John 15. In John chapter 15. And uh, John chapter 15. This wonderful uh, chapter here in the Word of God about uh, being fruitful. Uh, the Lord said, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now he said, if you don't bear any fruit, he's going to take you away. But he said, if the branch bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And just like anybody's got an orchard, uh, you know, the tree, is, if you just let the tree grow, go, it'll grow up and uh, be so thick. I mean, you won't have anything, a bunch of old scrubby, and you have to spray it and all, scrubby and wormy apples. And Steph, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Oh, how important that is. Notice the progression. Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And he says, you know, the, the vine has to abide in, or the branches has to abide in the vine, just like grape vines. The best way to have a good crop of grapes, just cut it back so you don't think you got anything. Uh, and it produces more grapes. But there's one thing about the branch. When you cut that off, that branch ain't going to have any more grapes. That's the end of it. But you cut those off in order that those that are still there may bring forth more grapes. And that's how God does us. That's what God works in our life is to make us fruitful. And sometimes the trials and the travail and all that we go through, uh, we may not understand it but it may be God's pruning method to make us fruitful, to bear more fruit, and then to bear much fruit. And he says, without me, you can do nothing. There's one thing I realize. I realize that. If God don't do it, it's not going to be done. You can learn all the methods. You can take courses in soul winning. I took courses in personal evangelism, and it was beneficial and a blessing. And uh, you can go to seminars, and they'll teach you how to do it. And uh, we've had... Uh, you know, sessions on soul winning and, and uh, uh, you can learn how to do it and learn the Romans road and every step and how to take a person down the Romans road explain to them how to be saved but I'll tell you it comes down to one thing without me, Jesus says you can do nothing if God don't do it it's not going to be done 
I don't care what you do. It'll not be done unless God does it. And that's the whole key. God has to do it, but he does it through people. And he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. Uh, God wants us to be fruitful. Not just fruitful, but more fruitful. And not just more fruitful, but much fruit. That's what God wants to do with this church and with you. Uh, if everybody, if everyone would win one, then all those would win one. Then all those would win one. And that's what, that's the way, that's what Jesus commanded, didn't he? That's what he told us. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And that's God's plan. And uh, uh, that'll work anywhere in the world. That'll work in any church. That'll work in any person's life. If, if people will just obey what God commanded every believer, that every believer ought to seek to be fruitful. And that ought to be our primary goal in life and our primary goal this year. And we're about to the end of this year. We've got a new year facing a new year if the Lord doesn't come. But it ought to be our primary ambition and goal. Who could I get to God this year? Who could I get saved this year? And get them on your heart and get a burden for them and pray for them and go see them and seek to win them to Christ and work at it. You say it's discouraging. Sure it is. There's trials and there's, there's trouble to go through. And there's the temptation to quit. But uh, the Bible said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6, 9. And that verse has sustained me many times when I couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. When everything looked dark and I didn't see I was accomplishing anything and seeing any results, the Bible said, Let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season, just keep sowing the seed. And God said, I'll... Give the increase. Do you want to have children, spiritual children? You can. You can. When we get to the place that Hannah got and we get that burden and that concern and we want it like Rachel did more than anything in the world, give me children or else I die. I'd rather be dead, she's saying. I'd rather be dead than to be like this. And, uh, uh, you know, when we get that concern, We'll see things happen. We get more concerned about others than we are about ourselves. More concerned about seeing people saved than we are anything in the world. We get that burden and that desire for, for souls. Then we can see it happen. And I pray that God will burn that in our hearts and in our soul. God's the one has got to put it there. If he don't put it there, he'll not be there. But he wants to do that for us. And, uh, uh, you know, the Lord uh, knew, knows all things, and he knew what he was going to do for Hannah here. And, uh, uh, but Hannah, you know, I believe had to come to that place for God to give the child. And uh, God wants to save our loved ones. He wants to save lost people in this community. And he would like to use you and use me question is, are we, are we usable? Are we really concerned 
like we ought to be concerned? That's a sobering question. May God help us. Let's bow our heads, please.